Today we'll be looking at Mark's story of the resurrection found in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. If we back up to Jesus' death, the story of Jesus' death in Mark's gospel has his disciples running away. Christ Jesus had been scourged and mocked and ridiculed. Soldiers have gambled for his clothing. And now Jesus has died. He's abandoned and alone, even in his death. But hold on for a second. There's somebody speaking in the background that surprises everyone. Paula Gooder notes, at this moment, however, a glimmer of light appears. Imagine a beam of sunshine breaking through heavy black clouds on a stormy day. The clouds are still heavy. The atmosphere is still oppressive. The weather is still stormy. But the beam of sunshine reveals that there be more going on here than we can see. And that above the cloud, the sun shines in the same way here. On one level, nothing changes. Jesus is still dead. Jesus is still abandoned. Jesus is still alone. But the most unlikely of people make such a profound statement. Truly, this is the Son of God. You see, in Mark's gospel, there are three moments when Jesus is declared to be God's Son. At his baptism, at his transfiguration, and in Mark 15, where the veil in the temple, which separates the Holy of Holies, the part of the temple where God dwelt in the midst of his people from the rest of the temple, was ripped apart, and it's not God who speaks this time, as he did at the baptism, as he did at the Mount of Transfiguration, but it's a despised Roman centurion, a soldier of the enemy, the one responsible for overseeing Jesus' death, who proclaims divine sonship for Jesus, who suffered and was crucified. This is a, wow, I can't believe what's coming out of his mouth moment. His statement hangs up before us as a challenge. Who do you say that he was? Or if you permit me to use the words of Jesus in addressing his disciples earlier on in Mark chapter 8, who do you say that I am? Today we move from those words of the centurion in Mark chapter 15 to the scene of women approaching the tomb where Jesus was laid. Mark's gospel ending is abrupt, it's unfinished, it's full of loose ends, it's not what you would say a grammarly correct ending to a story. Scholars have been debating for centuries and millenniums concerning the authenticity of the latter ending of Mark's gospel, and we'll leave the debate with them. But for us this morning, this Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Sunday 2020, it stops at verse 8 for us today. It lacks a happy ending like, and they lived happily ever after. No! The women are running away. They are terrified. So they went out and fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them. Then they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. They were afraid. These women, as you can see in the photo, if you can see it at all, suffer from an emotional state of alarm, of confusion, of fear. See, they are coming to the tomb in order to do something that's very important to prepare the body properly for burial. 
And the woman asked an important question in Mark chapter 16, verse 3. And this is the question that they asked. Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Who's going to roll away the stone? It's heavy. They seen when, when the other ones put that stone in front of them, how much strength and how much manpower it took to do that. And they know without a shadow of doubt that they won't be able to do it. But nonetheless, they're going there, even though the impossible is laying before them. And they're going there to embalm Jesus' body with spices. But there is a problem. They're asking themselves, how are we going to get to the tomb and prepare Jesus' body if there's a huge stone rolled in the front of the entrance? And then they arrive. They arrive to the scene of where Jesus was laid, the tomb of Jesus. And they have a big surprise. <laughs> they expected to have a big problem. But the impossibility became a possibility because there was no longer a stone in the front of the entrance. They expected to embalm a body or pour spices into the body and do an important work according to the tradition of the Jewish faith. But there was no work to be done because there was no body in the tomb for he is risen, he is risen indeed. And they enter into that tomb area where the body once laid and they find no body, but they find a young man, calm, sitting and waiting for their arrival so that he can have a few words with them. And in verse seven, this young man says, but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. It's the Easter Commission to not stop at the empty tomb, but to move forward from the empty tomb. For our Christ is not dead. He is alive. Mark's gospel has no guards paralyzed by fear. Mark's gospel has no angels rolling stones away. Mark's gospel has no two men in dazzling white apparel or a Mary Magdalene clenching and clinching at Jesus. No, eight simple verses with three women and a young calm man as witnesses to the empty tomb. Mark doesn't use much words to get the truth across to us. In verse 5, we read that these women were completely taken back. They're in, a, they're in a wow moment. No stone, no body. What's going on here? And resurrection truth, resurrection faith should amaze us still today. No matter how long we have walked with the Lord or we're following him. It's resurrection Sunday. It's a good day to raise a hallelujah in our lives in the midst of all that's going on. Jesus is not in the tomb, and yet his, it is his absence that singles his presence. There is no bodily Jesus present in Mark's gospel, but yet these people sense something's going on, especially these three women. So who rolled away the stone? Of course, God rolled away the stone. The calm young man has some very simple words of encouragement. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You see, it's the go-ahead God who rolled the stone away. And we, church, 
serves, we serve a God who goes ahead of us. Is that not true? We serve the God of the Exodus, the God who goes and prepares a place for us, the God who leads us to the Red Sea and splits the Red Sea so that we can end up in freedom eventually. We serve a God who goes ahead of us, even to the point of death he goes ahead of us, to roll away those stones that are blocking us from enjoying life in his son, Jesus Christ. Mark makes it clear, everything depends on God. We don't need a body to affirm a resurrection is what's playing around in Mark's mind. We need to believe that he has risen like he said. See, our go-ahead God sets in motion a new story for the hopelessness of the world. He has risen. He has defeated death for a society under a foreign rule like Israel or figuratively behind a stone and they couldn't budge an inch without Rome looking at what they are doing and they're living in fear like these women are in fear. It's good to know that the God that we serve is still the God who can roll away stones and lead us into a promised land. This is still the God who can split a Red Sea, still the God that can calm a storm, still the God who can heal the sick, still the God who can cast out demons, still the God that can do the impossible and turn it into a a possibility. It's still the God who arrives on time, even in death. He destroys it. See, Mark makes it clear that the gospel is about the power of God. It is the power that overcomes human dysfunction and disaster. The failure of the life of the disciples throughout the gospel makes readers value the action of God. Our God is a God of action. The conclusion of God's salvation plan is dependent on the action of God who goes ahead of us in death. But he also went ahead of us in life. And he also will come again in life, life after life after death. Because one day we will all be risen, resurrected. This bodily resurrection that we are all waiting for. And that is good message of hope, is it not? While humanity has been engaged in the you go first game. No, you go first game. No, no, you go first game. Nobody wants to play the me first game when it comes to the crucifixion. See, God takes the initiative. He goes first. And not only does he move the stone away, but Jesus becomes the first resurrected human being. And because he rose... As a fully human being, he provides hope for all of humanity, for you, for me, for those that have called on his name, and for those who have yet to call upon his name. This Resurrection Sunday 2020, it's a good time to call upon the one who has risen from the dead for salvation. It's the beginning of a new creation. It's the beginning of a new age of possibilities because Jesus is victorious over death and its rule. See, Mark's abrupt ending reveals that the successful conclusion of the story cannot be dependent upon human performance. You go ahead conveys the continued power and presence of God in human weakness and therefore hope, therefore hope and expectation for the future. When it came to suffering, when it came to dying, when it came to death, humanity told God, you go ahead. And what did God do? He said, I will. I will. 
You know, a few years ago, there was a book written by Max Lucado. It was entitled, He Still Rose Stones. He Still Rose Stones. Can I use a Jonathan phrase here from John's Gospel as he spoke to Martha? Do you believe this? I don't know what stones are in front of your life that are keeping you from enjoying the life that Christ has provided for you. But do you believe that he can still roll the stone away and a breakthrough can come in the moment of your life when you need it? See, resurrection means standing up. Anastasis, standing up. Jesus is standing up for us all. You can be guaranteed of that. So who rolled away the stone? The go-ahead God rolled away the stone. And behind the stone is an unfinished story. There's an unfinished story here. The resurrection of Jesus is not the end of the story, only the beginning. Why? Because Jesus is resurrection and life. The story of Jesus' resurrection is more than a picture in God's photo album that we have. It's Mark's gospel that forces its readers to enter into a new page where the stone has been rolled away, where the conqueror of life lives. And his name is Jesus, the one who conquered the reign of sin, the rule of sin and death. Sin with a capital S, death with a capital D. The same Jesus who told the disciples at the beginning of his journey towards Jerusalem and Calvary, take up thy cross and follow me. Take your death, pick it up, come with me, because I will give you life. See, the question for us as readers of the gospel is not what will we do if we were the women at the tomb. The decision for us is what will we do now that we've been let in and on the news. I've told you the story. We've read the story. We read Mark's story. We're trying to explain it to you this Resurrection Sunday. What are you going to do with it? Would you flee in fear like the disciples? Would you be speechless like the women? Would you become silent like the women? Would the story die with you, with us? Would you put back a stone where God has already moved the stone away? What are we doing with the truth? He has risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He's not here. Jesus is alive. Why do we look for the living among the dead? Will we be obediently obedient to follow Jesus to Galilee? Or will we prefer to bunker down in our own safe comfort zones and build our own cocoons? With resurrection wonder, we approach spiritual formation at times as a self-help project. And Eugene Peterson, the late Eugene Peterson, says these things, these words. We employ techniques. This is what Christianity has become. We analyze gifts and potentialities. We set goals. We assess progress. Spiritual formation is reduced to cosmetics. Without resurrection wonder, without the truth of the resurrection, without the power of the resurrection, our motivational energies and spiritual formation get domesticated by anxiety and guilt, and we feel trapped in a tomb with a heavy stone in front of it. See, anxiety and guilt restrict they close us in on ourselves. They isolate us from feelings of inadequacies, with feelings of inadequacies, rather. 
and unworthiness. They reduce us to ourselves at our worst. Spiritual formation is distorted into moral workism and pious athleticism. Powerful words from the late Eugene Peterson. Ever since this crisis started, I'm amazed, I'm overloaded by the emails that come and says, this is how you can grow your digital church. And this is what you can do to advance the cause of Christ. And all they did was take all the previous email junk that they sent to us and put COVID-19 and coronavirus there. Because their intention is the same, to sell you something for profit. Beverly Gavanta says some very important words to us this resurrection morning. We act as if the Christian faith itself were on life support, and it's our job to find ways of resurrecting it. The only way that the church can live in the resurrection power is by the power of the one who defeated sin and death, and that is the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, even if I have to say a hallelujah myself. I hope you're saying one at home. See, the people of God are the means through which the risen Christ works and creates the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us, lives in you, lives in me, lives in whoever calls upon his name. Do you believe this? See, we have opportunity today to deepen our faith. We have opportunity today to have a rebirth of faith, a recommitment of faith, a resurrection of hope in the midst of hopelessness around our globe. Do you have any stones to be moved, I ask you again? Have faith in the go-ahead God who rolled the stone away. He moves stones and he heals viruses. I still believe that. See, Mark's resurrection story sets in motion a new story. It's not finished yet. It's not resolved yet. It's a story that's waiting completion. And it's inviting you into the writing of the completion of the story to be part of it. What happens next? Is up to you. Jesus has two words for you, the same two words that he told those disciples so many years ago, follow me. Follow me. As I heard Lucas Nelson sing a song this week, it's time to turn the news off and build a garden. It's time to turn the news off and follow Jesus Christ, the true author of good news. See, in Mark, we never see the resurrected Jesus. He doesn't even speak here. But we're left with an image that he's gone on before us and we're to join him. Like the woman, we need to trust that he has risen without seeing Jesus with our own eyes. Back to John's gospel, if I may add his words. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet they have believed. That's what's going here going on here in Mark's gospel, rather. How dare Mark leave us in such a disturbing predicament on Resurrection Sunday 2020? I'm not talking about Mark Rennie here. Hi, Mark. See, I like Mark's gospel. Abrupt ending because it speaks of a new beginning rather than an ending. The story continues with you and me. The witness from the lips of the young man is indisputable and says it all, he is risen. Thomas Hine, the author of a book called Facing Tomorrow, tells of his relationship with his grandmother when he was a child. She would take him on her lap and tell tales of her life in Ireland. 
She spoke of coming to America as a teenager and how she made her way through hardships and blessings. But Thomas Hine, the grandson, the writer of the book, felt that her stories never had an ending. She almost was telling the story as Mark finished the gospel, never having an ending. And then he had a aha moment. <laughs> and he concluded, though she never said it directly, I knew the story had no ending because I was an important part of it. It was up to me to know the story. It was up to me to make it part of my life. It was up to me to add to it and to pass it on to those who come behind me. See, the go-ahead God now calls you, like he called those terrified women in the text, to go and tell others that Christ is risen. <laughs> he is risen indeed. Did the woman fail to communicate the good news of Jesus' resurrection to others? I don't think so. Even though the shorter ending of Mark leaves them terrified in silence. I believe they did go on. I believe that they did go on and tell others of what they experienced that day at the empty tomb of a risen Jesus who was nowhere to be found. Like Thomas Hines' grandmother, they told others. And those others told others. And those others told others. And eventually someone told us that is descending from the telling of others or telling to others. And the story has reached us. May we take the challenge on this resurrection 2020 to continue to tell the story. See, God in Christ Jesus went ahead so that we can continue the story. We're not left alone, for we have the assurance from verse 7. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. Galilee, the place where it all began. The place where he called the disciples into ministry. The place where he called them into fellowship, followership of him. The place where it all begin is going to begin anew, but these are not going to be the same disciples he called at the beginning. They are going to be transformed because in a few months, the Holy Spirit's going to fall upon them. And the church began to pass it on. See, the women found their voices one day, and they became powerful witnesses. My challenge to you is that we do the same Mark's gospel might have an abrupt ending, but we know that Jesus, truth that he has risen from the dead, is contained in it. He is risen, and may you all answer at home, he is risen indeed, amen.